0: Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 106. So I've been wrong about coronavirus, consistently wrong. I was wrong about hydro... How do you say it? Hydroxychloroquine. I was wrong about remdesivir. You know, they were being trumpeted as silver bullet solutions, and I fell for the hype. But... (laughs) the fulcrum of the butt. I'm seeing a lot of evidence that vitamin D might really make a difference. It might really reduce the severity of coronavirus if you get it. And I'll put some links in the show notes, but the risk ratio is something like 12 to 19x if you are insufficient or in a vitamin D deficiency versus if you have enough. Even if you adjust for age and sex and comorbidities, the risk ratio is still 10x. So that means regardless of age or sex or other health conditions, if you get coronavirus and you are vitamin D deficient, you may have a thousand percent higher risk of dying. And I know some of you are going to say, but Matt, correlation isn't the same thing as causation. And I say to that that I am so goddamn sick of that phrase. That is the argument that cigarette executives used to give. They would say, sure, smoking and lung cancer are correlated, but you can't prove cigarettes cause cancer. So yeah, in theory, I agree. Yes, correlation doesn't prove causation, but but a 12x to 19x risk ratio is similar to the risk ratio of smoking cigarettes and getting lung cancer, which means we have to be somewhat sensible about these things. Yes, if the risk ratio was below 2, pretty meaningless, but above 10, Above 10, I'm willing to bet there's something going on. Something's going on. And then when I consider how cheap vitamin D is and and how low the risks are of getting too much vitamin D, well, personally, I'm going to try to get more vitamin D from, from food, which means eggs, meat, and fish. I'm trying to get more from supplements and, and more especially from the sun, which has a lot of other benefits other than vitamin D, apparently. Again, check the show notes, but also sunlight gives you nitrous oxide, which apparently improves blood flow and helps to improve clotting. So that's my advice, I guess. Go outside, get some sun, get some UVB, which means going outside and getting sun when the sun is high in the sky. Just just don't get burnt. And, you know, while I'm on my soapbox, I've been pretty hard on Cuomo's response to coronavirus. I mean, he was slow to contain New Rochelle. He was very slow to stop school. He, He let New Yorkers spread out across the country and infect a lot of other places. And then he bullied Rhode Island when they tried to stop the influx. He focused too much on ventilators. He focused too much on the blame game. Worst of all, he forced infected patients back into nursing homes. And that's a decision that has probably cost thousands of lives. But <laughs> again, that fulcrum of the butt. I just finished reading A Journal of the Plague Year by Daniel Defoe, and it's a telling of the Great Plague of London in the year 1665 and 1666. I was struck at how the exact same themes happened then as today. Cases were undercounted in the beginning, which enabled the spread of the disease. They tried to quarantine people in their homes, and it didn't work then any more than it does now. They sent people back to their homes where they infected their families, just like we did now. Rich people got out of Dodge, just like they're doing now. Just like today, the poor and the crowded areas got hit harder. Just like today, asymptomatic transfer made it impossible to control. And exactly what we're seeing now, they saw then. People were eager to come back to London, eager to go out again as soon as things started to improve, even while the deaths continued. Finally, back then, the butchers apparently got hit really, really hard. And that, of course, is happening today as well in the meatpacking plants. They've become the new hotspot. Now, this is interesting. Smithfield is the nation's biggest pork producer. And pork production in the States has fallen 40% because of the transmission of coronavirus at these facilities. And at the same time that the production of pork has fallen 40%, the export of pork to China has increased by 400%. Now, guess who owns Smithfield? China. China owns Smithfield. And Smithfield has done a terrible job protecting its workers, it has given them no PPE, no protective equipment. At the same time, it's forced them to remain on the job. So let me get this straight, okay? Smithfield abused and endangered their workers to create a cheaper product, which was then exported back to China. And China owns the company that did this. Doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't that what we did to China? So China's doing to us what we did to China? China has made the United States the new China. <laughs> They've made us the China for China. Anyway, in other news, okay, apparently OnlyFans is signing up 8,000 content creators. <laughs> there's a euphemism for you. Every day right now. And They're signing up 200,000 users every day. Everywhere capitalism looks, it wants to create a market. And that usually works pretty well. But what do markets require? What's, What's necessary to make a market? Well, the good or service has to be tradable. That means it has to be Categorized and and standardized and commoditized. And that's what's been done to female sexuality and male attention. I mean, first we had Tinder, <laughs> and then we had Ashley Madison. But OnlyFans feels like the pinnacle, the the top of the mountain in terms of creating a market for female sexuality, that, that monetizes male attention. So it used to be that a man and a woman committed 100% of themselves to each other, with all of these antiquated ideas about, for better or for worse, to love, to comfort, to cherish, to honor. And now the woman can sell nudes or videos of herself masturbating for $10 a month to a thousand different men. And the man can buy the nudes and the videos of, I don't know, 20 different women for, say, $200 a month. How does this wonderful transaction happen? Well, they find each other over social media. OnlyFans creators advertise on their Twitter accounts, their Instagram accounts, their Reddit accounts. This is an interesting evolution of advertising. It used to be, back in the day, that you would have a television program that came on at, say, 8 p.m., and then there would be a commercial break, and everyone would see the same ad at the same time. And then there was this big innovation called Product Placement. Remember this? Seinfeld would have Cheerios on his shelf, and Cheerios would pay for that privilege. How antiquated does that sound? Because now you have social media, and everyone has a unique feed, and therefore everyone can see a unique ad. And then influencers came along, and they became their own brands. They peddled products. And now they peddle themselves. The person hasn't just become the brand, the person has become the product. And so I say to the women and to the men the women who think it's a good idea to sell sexual pictures to strangers, and to the men who think it's a good idea to buy sexual pictures and videos from strangers. Congratulations. You have played yourself. There are no winners from this scenario. There's no timeline where this makes anyone a better person or happier or more fulfilled. It's just negative. You're just contributing to to the commodification of, of the human being. There are certain places where markets have no business being there. And the human being is one of them. That's all I got. I'll catch you next week.